here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Welcome to the Underdome Podcast. I am your host, Ben Belden. Today we've got a quick check-in of Notre Dame recruiting type things and some other Notre Dame football type stuff. We're in the middle, well, I guess the end of June. It's been a while since you've heard our voices, but we're glad to be back recording this YouTube video. Um, if you are new here, make sure you're checking us out all over the web, YouTube, all over Twitter, if you Google under, or if you search under the dome podcast, you'll find us. Find me on Twitter and all that good stuff. Um, we are we're just about everywhere. We're really trying to push out some video content on the under the dome channel on YouTube. So make sure you're clicking subscribe. But if you're not into the uh, video aspect of it, we're on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts. So find us there as well. So that out of the way, I've got two fine young gentlemen with me here today. First, we have a longtime podcast guest, and that's Nathan Nurbach. Nathan, how's it going? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you? Just living the dream, you know, just just enjoying the uh, life of a teacher in the summer. So that's that's wonderful. And then we've got Mason Plummer as well. I don't know why I almost just forgot your last name for a second there, Mason, but my <laughs> bad. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How's it going? Well, uh, I don't know. It's uh, the dog, you know, named after uh, Rocket Ishmael is uh, seems to have stopped barking for the time being. Oh, good boy, Rocket. And uh, hopefully that he didn't hear my name or his name from the other room and, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, before we get started here, we've got a couple things to get out of the way. Like I said, make sure you're checking us out all over the Web. And if you are looking to get to any sporting events this summer, make sure you use SeatGeek. It's a ticket search engine that never loses sight of the fan experience. Simply go to their website, type in the name of the team that you're looking for, choose the date. SeatGeek will give you a great chart of the stadium where there you can choose seats and tickets based on their score system that gives you the best value. If you've never used SeatGeek before, we've partnered with them to give you a great deal. Apply the coupon code THELOOP. Sports, that's all one word, the loop sports at checkout, and it'll take $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. So we're very happy that SeatGeek has partnered with us. One thing that I forgot to mention is that we are affiliated with the loop sports. So if you are a Chicago sports fan of any kind, go to the loopsports.com and you can kind of check out some of the things that they're doing with the White Sox and the Cubs and the Blackhawks and all that good stuff and everything in between. So SeatGeek, The Loop Sports, $20 are off your first purchase. Thanks in advance. Okay, guys, so it's been a long time since we talked to Notre Dame football, and we're going to start with recruiting because Notre Dame is just absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail in 2020 especially, which is obviously, you know, the uh, you know the, the recruiting cycle that we're uh, talking about here. Um, I don't know. Uh, as I was telling you guys before we clicked, 
let's record here. I'm not the recruiting guy, so it's almost hard for me to ask questions. So um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of kick it to you guys, and I'm going to you know, sort of step out of this conversation a little bit, and I'll interject questions and you know, play the, play the role of the, uh, the casual observer, I suppose, and ask the questions that I anticipate that maybe other people will want to hear. So, um, Nathan, let's just kind of start with you and you know, just give, us, give me your overall impression on you know, what Notre Dame is doing on the recruiting trail, and then, you know, Mason, you can take it away after that. Yeah, I mean, so May, May and June have been really good for, for Notre Dame on their recruiting trail for 2020 and 2021, to be completely honest. I mean, they've landed, I don't even know how many recruits overall, but starting like May 23rd with uh, Chris Tyree, who's a, you know, a borderline five-star running back, um, you know, which Notre Dame hasn't really been able to do um, when they had Autry Denson at, as the running back's coach. I mean, starting there and then, you know, now we're almost into July and they've landed probably what, I don't know what you would say, Mason, 10 or so commits in that time frame. And uh, like I said, between the 20 and 20, 2020 and 2021 class, it's just, it's been some of the best uh, recruiting that we've seen in Notre Dame in a long time. And I think uh, if you go back to, I usually go back to 2018 as kind of that start point. Um, or maybe even 2017 for the recruiting classes starting starting at that point it's just every year gets gets better and better um, and you can really see uh, the staff really picking and picking it up on the trail and obviously winning helps um, I mean going 12 and0 going to a college football playoff helps a lot and uh, if they can continue that kind of trend I don't see why you know 2021 and then like further on like with 2022 just doesn't continue that trend of getting better Mason your thoughts yeah, so I think winning has a lot to do with the back-to-back 10-win seasons are really key, and recruiting guys want to go to a winning program. And, um, I mean, I agree with everything Nathan said, really. The 2020 class is coming along, and 2021 has the potential to be even better ranked as number one or number two, depending on where you're looking. So, yeah, Notre Dame's catching momentum on the recruiting trail at the right time and getting the athletes they need to succeed. I've been kind of on this – kick that uh, anybody that will listen or read the things that I write, I I just feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I just feel like Notre Dame is at a place where, you know, and and I think a lot of us feel this way, but perhaps you guys can verbalize it a little bit better, that Notre Dame is in a place where, you know, if this momentum continues and the way that they've developed players, especially since, you know, they've kind of overhauled the coaching staff after, you know, an abysmal 2016. It just sort of feels like Notre Dame is building up to being a place where instead of every once in a while or every third year, we see Notre Dame get to, you know, close to contention. It seems like they're getting to a place where it's going to be contention every year, year after year. I mean, I'm not saying college football playoff every year, but it seems like we're getting to a point where we can expect them to be in the conversation every year and recruiting has a lot to do with that. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Or, uh, I mean, or, or am I kind of off? Um, I mean, I think it's mainly a depth thing, to be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, as we all know, like, especially like defensive line um, and even like maybe in the secondary, de- depth has been a big issue for this team, um, you know, in the Brian Kelly era for the most part. Um, and now we're really starting to see the benefits of um, – you know, defensive end, defensive tackle, recruiting, and then maybe even some more star power in the back back end with guys like Kyle Hamilton coming in, um, you know, landing a Lohe Gilman, even though he wasn't um, a stud recruit out of high school, but getting him to transfer from Navy. Um, and then just, just the development process. I mean, I think they're really targeting guys that even when they're not 
they're not crazy like four star five star caliber there's just traits that can translate to the to the college and maybe even the nfl level with either length um athleticism speed whatever you want to call it um i mean i think that's really what's what's getting this team to possibly be like what you were saying is you know, maybe not every year going to a college football playoff, but on a consistent basis being, you know, a 10 plus win team. And uh, I, I think depth has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, you saw how key depth was against Clemson. You lose your best corner and then all of a sudden everything just falls apart. Um, Notre Dame's recruiting at key positions. Shoring up the defensive line is huge. The two of the most important things in football, getting after the quarterback and then having a solid quarterback that can distribute the ball. And Notre Dame's been recruiting the quarterback and defensive line positions extremely well, as well as starting to recruit better at defensive back, at least better than we've seen in the past. So, um, yeah, Notre Dame's headed in the right direction. And hopefully we'll be contending not not next necessarily every year, but uh, hopefully every couple of years we'll be, we'll be in the hunt. So one thing that I've heard – you guys say that I feel kind of the same way about is this, this, you know, the idea of the defensive line. And I actually wrote about this last week at some point that, you know, it seems like the winning formula in college football these days is develop just a monster defensive line and just kind of turn them loose a little bit. And um, if you've got a good defensive line, then you're going to contend. I mean, the two teams obviously that are, that have followed that blueprint the best have been Alabama and Clemson, who are, you know, the teams that compete for the most titles over the last, you know, however many, five, six, seven years, whatever it's been, um, especially for Alabama. So to me, you know, I can't remember, and I've obviously, you know, followed Notre Dame pretty closely since, you know, I was, uh, I don't know, a teenager at the very least. I was a fan before that, but then kind of, you know, paid more attention as I, you know, started to understand sports, but, I can't really remember a time. I mean, I can remember growing up and watching like Justin Tuck play and I can remember Stefan Tuitt play and I can remember, you know, a couple other studs, but it doesn't seem like we ever had as many studs as we have now. I mean, now we can talk about, I was writing a defensive line article the other day and I'm, I'm just like all of these guys, I listed about 10 guys in the article that are going to contribute and that I feel pretty good about that are going to be pretty darn good. Um, Nathan, I think you wrote on this. So we'll start with you again, but like, is this the best defensive line Notre Dame's had in since when? Uh, yeah, I did write on this. It's kind of funny. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to argue with the 2011-2012 team with with the results they had. I think from at least a starting uh, duo standpoint, with uh, you know to it and uh, you know I think at one point you had uh, Ishak Williams who was you know maybe had that little kind of a breakout year with them. You had Sheldon Day on that defensive line. Um, so you had some good, you had some good, some good guys on the, on that roster. Um, but I think from like a three deep standpoint, it's, it's really tough, um, to, to point to a team since maybe the Holtz era that, that had, you know, Aquara, Kareem, um, Adiuk and Ogundeji, uh, I mean, uh, what's his, uh, Obi Agufo, a lot of people really like Obi Agufo this year, um, who else? I mean, I'm, I'm spacing out on some names right now. I know you guys have some, but um, Jameer Jones might even redshirt. That's, I mean, that's that's how much that's how much uh, they, they like these defensive line. And then, with from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, they got guys coming in next year um, in Riley Mills, Jordan Batelho that are you know legitimate four possible five star talents down the road. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I from a from a complete depth standpoint, I think it's the best in the Kelly era, um, and I think that that 
that means that means something just because uh, they've had the talent in the past from like maybe you know their their couple guys that are are starting like you were saying with Tuit and even Day and and guys like that. But um, I don't think that if, if those guys went down, it would have been a major issue. And this year it might not be. Nathan, I'm going to switch gears a little bit with you because I think Nathan covered that one pretty well. But we'll start with you on this next question. Um, <laughs> Mason. <laughs> I had nothing to say. I was hoping he wasn't going to ask me because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't have anything else to add. That was it. I was hoping you guys were going to bring me some players. I was like, I can't think of any guys' names. Right I didn't now. want to interrupt you, but like Dalen Hayes came right. to mind. Yeah, no, don't, yeah. Dalen Hayes. The fact that I can't name Dalen Hayes is an issue, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, here – secondary question to that i mean i think the guys on the outside get a lot of i mean julian O'Quara gets gets a lot of accolades and then dalen hayes has come on recent uh, last year um and then you know nathan mentioned ovia gufo and uh nana osafa mensa if i said that correctly uh is going to be a guy that's going to be a stud eventually but doesn't even have to play next year because notre dame's still loaded but what about the interior of the defensive line like what are our thoughts i mean is this going to be and even from just not even just a recruiting standpoint, but uh, just this team recruiting all, you know, all the way down the line, is there, how do we feel about defensive tackle, the inside type of guys? Defensive tackles are right. Um, and my three irreplaceable defensive players article, I actually listed uh, Kurt Heinish as one of the irreplaceable players, which was a shock to some people. I had some of my friends reading like Kurt Heinish. I was like, yeah, man, like I don't really trust the depth at the moment. The depth's going to be there, but at the moment I, I don't trust it. And um, Heinish pro- from a productivity standpoint, he's not going to be a Jerry Tillery by any means, but what what he brings to the team is unmatched by the depth behind him. And uh, Nathan, I'm curious to see what you have to think about that. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you have, you have Heinish who, you know, who's been there for a couple of years now is going into his junior year. So he's just kind of reliable. Like you mentioned, he's not going to be as, you know, a stud stud, but, um, but he, but he's just, you know, he's just a good college football player. Um, it, it gets John, a little, and gets a little interesting after that, just with, you know, MTA being injured last year um, and not playing too much, but I know a lot of people really like him and he showed out during his freshman year. Um, same with like Jason Adam Aloa. Um, you know, he didn't play too terribly much as a freshman, but he was, he came in as a, a you know, a big time recruit. And then uh, guys like Jacob Lacey and then Howard Cross, I think are, um, you know, specifically Lacey looks like he's going to be in the two deep um, and the staff really likes him as a freshman. And I've heard some good things about Howard Cross too. So um, it's young depth. It's possible depth that could be really good, but um, it, it is a little bit concerning just with the youth. Right. I do like Lacey a lot, but right now, if you were to say that he, let's say something happened to Heinish, God forbid, but if something were to happen to Heinish and you told me Lacey's starting week one against Louisville, I'd be concerned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One guy that uh, neither of you guys mentioned that I want to bring up fast, mostly because um, I left him out of an article that I wrote and kind of felt bad about it um, and was actually kind of called out for it a little bit, but is Jamie on Franklin who had the, uh, I don't know if it was it was an upper leg quad type tear injury. If I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head, but um, from what I understand from what I've heard from people is that uh, he's pretty well healthy at this point going into fall camp. I mean, he's at a hundred percent. I mean, what are our thoughts on uh, on Jamie on Franklin moving forward? Go ahead, Mason. Do we have any thoughts on Jamie? <laughs> I should have asked one of you specifically. That's my fault. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I think he's solid. Um, 
I think he, he'll compete with Lacey. Heinish has the spot as long as he stays healthy. Um, but, yeah, I think he'll compete with Lacey at the two deep. I think it's Lacey's position to lose at this point. Franklin could contribute, but um, it's hard to expect a ton from him, especially coming off that injury. Yeah, I mean, when they recruited Franklin, I liked him as a depth piece. I never really liked him as a maybe as a future starter unless things went wrong. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. And like I said, like the depth is as good as ever. And, um, you know, he just kind of adds to that. And so if he can be healthy this year, the, the torn quad definitely definitely uh, worries me a little bit more. But uh, hopefully, hopefully he's healthy and can contribute. All right. So let's uh, – I mean, we're not really switching gears here, but kind of what uh, – switching back to recruiting more specifically, I suppose – I want to go to each of you guys, and we'll start with Mason again on this one, but just pick a guy or two that uh, Notre Dame has landed recently. I mean, it's been a long time since we recorded a podcast together. Uh, just pick a guy or two that you're really excited about and tell me why you're excited about him. So, Mason, go ahead. Yeah, I could not be more excited about Jay Brunel committing to Notre Dame. It uh, could be a little bit of recency bias as he committed just yesterday, but stealing one from under Michigan always feels great. And um, Brunel was a guy I liked from the start. As soon as uh, he kind of flashed at Irish Invasion, um, I started really looking him up and I watched his film, watched his camp film and everything. And I really liked him. And I see him, I've seen this comparison a couple times, as a bigger, more athletic Chris Fink. And if he can be, if he can be that for Notre Dame, that's awesome. Um, Fink was a guy that helped a lot in his recruitment. Um, Brunel, I think Nathan and I talked about this, is going to be – Nathan calls him a dude, and I totally believe that. Um, yeah, Brunel, I think he has a chance to he, he has a chance to be a contributor as soon as he comes on campus, and uh, he, he's, he'll be a guy that Notre Dame fans will know very soon. Yeah, Brunel's just one Nathan. of those guys. Brunel's just one of those guys that I think outplays his ranking. He, he's, got, he's got good measurables. He has good speed. Um, and you know, he just, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. So and I think those guys succeed at the college level. So I definitely agree. I think Brunel is going to be an underrated guy. Um, I, I actually going to switch gears over to the 2021 class, um, at least according to rivals. And then even 24 seven has him as a top 100 guy, but Blake Fisher, um, out of Indiana actually is pretty close to pretty close to Notre Dame. And, uh, like I said, rivals, I think has them at number 14 and then the composite rankings over on 24 seven sports have him in like the top 80, I believe. Um, you know, he's, he's just one of the top offensive tackles they've landed in a, in a while. And that's saying something at Notre Dame considering, you know, they land top, um, offensive linemen on a, on a yearly basis. But one, one thing they really needed to do in these next couple classes was land offensive tactical talent. And with Tosh Baker in the 2020 class, who's a borderline five-star guy himself, um, and Blake Fisher in 2021, um, I think they're really solidifying the uh, the left tackle spot um, more so than anything, which is which was, was a desperate need for them. In you guys' opinion, has Notre Dame kind of switched up the way that they recruit? I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about how, I mean, they're recruiting a lot better. Um, and they've, uh, I don't know, and Nathan has been on this podcast before talking about how they've done really well in like complimentary classes. But, you know, I, I kind of think back, I mean, Brian Kelly's been here for uh, nine years going on 10, if I remember correctly, if I, yeah, that sounds right. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, he obviously had sec success um, in the, uh, you know, first part of his career going to the national championship in, in 2012. And, um I, I don't know, but he, and he had, didn't have the same type of success recruiting, I suppose. 
So I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what's the difference now in the way that Notre Dame is recruiting versus, you know, how they're recruiting in 2013, 14, 15, and, you know, kind of leading up to whatever the heck happened in 2016. And Nathan, we can start with you on this one. Um, I mean, I think number one is the staff. Uh, I mean, Brian Van Gorder couldn't care less about recruiting. So, um, and that showed <laughs> that, that that only showed in the talent that he brought in for the most part, but it's, but it, you know, it showed through his coaching. And um, so, I mean, I think, you know, getting Clark Lee, Chip Long, uh, Terry Joseph, I think those guys specifically, Brian Polian, I think those four guys are, are really, really good recruiters. Um, you know, guys like Todd Light and uh, Dell Alexander are, are solid recruiters. I wouldn't call them like amazing recruiters, but they're also just great coaches overall. Um, so, yeah, number one is the staff. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we talked about this a little bit earlier, but winning helps. I mean, you got two, uh, two, two years in a row of 10 plus wins coming off the college football playoff. So guys want to play there. Um, and then I think they're just doing uh, kind of going off what I said with the staff. I think they're just doing a really good job of covering their bases more so than they used to. Um, so they're not just focusing on like, so for the example with the wide receivers, you know, uh, Jalen McMillan and AJ Henning were guys that were on the top of their list for, for a really long time. And for a while, at least I think most Notre Dame fans would have said they would at least land one of those guys on, on top of Jordan Johnson. And they both they both went to different schools. Um, they got on Jay Brunel right away. They offered him prior to them leaving um, for other schools, but they were on him and they got him to come to Notre Dame. And he was a guy that wanted to be at Notre Dame. And then same thing with guys like Xavier Watts and you know even some other guys that they've kind of pushed away uh, more recently just because they know they don't need them. But they're they're just covering their bases. Um, you look at cornerback recruiting. I think it's the same way. I mean they they missed on some four stars. But they but they went out and found three stars that they thought you know had the potential to be good players down the road. So I, they're not sitting back and just um, you know whiffing on you know a, a a a certain position because their other guys their top guys go elsewhere. Mason, do you have anything to add to that, or did Nathan do that? <laughs> I'm a talker. I'm sorry. Yeah, he took the only the only thing I had was the very last thing he said. Actually, um, the only tangible difference besides the staff that you're really seeing is Notre Dame was there. It's just a typical thing every year. You see that you know they get their they see their top one or two targets go go elsewhere, and then you know they like as Nathan said they whiff, and then all of a sudden they're landing guys that they it just seems like just come out of the blue. Um, now they have backup plans. So, you know, you can't – you're not going to land everyone. It's just not – that's just not how it's going to happen. And um, so they have backup guys that they feel confident in. And so if you don't land your, the top-of-the-list guy, then you're still okay and you're landing still very solid, very solid players. So all of this being said, how are we feeling about uh, 2019? I mean, we've talked about this through the spring a little bit. I've talked about the fact that, uh, you know, I think that I, – I don't see any reason why – you know, I think there's a valid point to be made that, you know, Notre Dame could be similar or better even talent wise um, and still a step back, I suppose, as far as the record is concerned, uh, because their schedule is more difficult going to Georgia, going to Michigan and going to uh, Stanford to end the season. I mean, those are three tough games and then they've got the t other tough ones kind of mixed in between for different reasons. Um, but how are we feeling about, you know, 2019? Like what are I mean, what? Overall, I'm not, I'm not asking you to make a uh, record prediction or anything like that unless you want to, but I'm just kind of – I wanted to 
gauge your thoughts because it's been a while since we've talked and you know things have happened and we've talked about other stuff and people have different perspectives. So Mason, we'll start with you on this one. Um, how are we, uh, how are, how are you feeling about 2019? What's your, what are your thoughts? I am cautiously optimistic. Um, I will go ahead and say just why not? I think 10 wins is going to be, it would be a great season. Um, that, that would be winning one of Georgia, Michigan or Stanford, which I think they can do one of the three. Um, yeah, 10 wins should be good. It might seem like a letdown after a 12 and 0 season, but I really think 10 wins is where you want to be with how difficult the schedule is and where you have the team. Uh, I think this team is similar talent wise to last year, but the schedule is just so much more difficult. Nathan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Um, the one thing I'll say about the schedule being hard is to a certain extent, I don't really care that it's hard. Um, if you lose all three of those games and you're not a good team, in my opinion, or at least you're not, you know, you're not as good as you're supposed to be. Um, there's other, te- there's other programs that play, you know, hard schedules and they go to the college football playoff, Alabama and Clemson. I mean, I know they play some cupcake schools, you know, you know, the Citadel and random schools like that, but you know, the ACC and SCC aren't, aren't cupcake conferences. So, you know, they're sitting there going, you know, 12 and 0 every year or 11 and one every year. And, you know, if Notre Dame, if we want to call Notre Dame a a college football playoff team on a consistent basis, they need to do the same thing. Um, But yeah, no, overall, I mean, I think this team is similarly talented or if not, maybe like a little bit better, like you guys mentioned, and I don't see any reason why they can't have 10 plus wins on the year. Going into the season, I think, I mean, so thinking about the schedule a little bit, and Nathan, I love the point you just made. I mean, other teams, I mean, you don't care about the fact that uh, that it's a hard schedule. I, I get that, and I, I like that stance. But going into the season, like, are you at all, or either of you, surprised at all that Notre Dame is like a double-digit underdog going down to Georgia? Does that surprise you? Do you? I mean, I don't remember what the line is. I feel like it opened at, like, Georgia at, like, minus 13 and a half or something like that. Does that surprise you that team or that, that odds makers, you know, look at this Notre Dame team. And I mean, we, we've talked about a similar talent type thing and I tend to agree. And I, I would also kind of say that, you know, I think the overall talent's the same and that maybe it's just dispersed differently, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's still a level of disrespect for Notre Dame and maybe it's the recency bias of, you know, the last time people saw someone Notre Dame on the field, they were getting blown out. Um, I don't know. Are you surprised at all that Notre Dame is such an underdog against a team like Georgia Mason? In a way I'm not, but in a way I am also Notre Dame has recently, um, especially on the national stage, they seem to lose and lose big um, other than Clemson in 2015, then Georgia 2016, I believe, which they kept close, but still lost. Um, 14 seems like a lot. I would put it at more like seven or nine, you know, one, probably one score, but um I don't see Notre Dame being favored, especially in Athens. And, um, yeah, I mean, 14 might be a lot, but – or 13 and a half. But, um, yeah, it might be fair, though. We'll, we'll have to see. Notre Dame needs to show up for the big game. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what the line is. So, if someone's listening to this podcast and is like, they're actually only a 12-point underdog, you idiot. Like, I, I didn't look up the line. <laughs> so, but it was, it was big. It was bigger than I thought it was. But, uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised. They seem to always, whenever they play an SEC team or Clemson or whoever, they always seem to be pretty big underdogs no matter what their record is. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, I think they, they don't tend to get blown out during the regular season in those big games. I mean, Georgia and 
uh, what was it, 2018 or 2017 comes to mind. Um, you know, and then like obviously Clemson and Florida State, you know, those were games they probably should have won. Um, you know, just looking back at, you know, a few different plays that, you know, didn't go their way. It's always in January or whatever that they, they seem to blow those games. So, um, no, I mean, I'm not surprised just because of, you know, who Georgia is and how talented Georgia is. But at the same time, I don't think Notre Dame loses by two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm trying to find this real quick. Georgia currently is 10 and a half points. Uh, like I say, I feel like it was bigger than that at some point, but it's maybe changed a little bit, but still kind of, uh, I don't know. So kind of, I mean, in a 10 and a half point game, 10 point game could be a close game till the end and, you know, tack on a touchdown at the end. So I guess, I mean, I guess it's not all that surprising. I just kind of thought it would be, you know, kind of more like a one score type of a thing just because of, you know, what both of you guys um, just said, but all right. Um, there was somewhere I wanted to go before. Oh, okay. So controversial take here that I was kind of thinking through, um, not necessarily out loud, but I was thinking through the other day. Um, and we'll kind of end with this. Um, <clears throat> now there are a lot of reasons why this isn't going to happen right away, but as a Notre Dame fan in 2019, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I'm, I mean, I want to throw out the disclaimer that I don't necessarily, I haven't bought in to what I'm about to throw out there, I guess is what I'm say but um would notre dame maybe maybe possibly and nathan maybe knows where i'm going with this i don't know maybe not uh benefit and it was nathan who you know i comment he just made that made me think of it um from going into the other side of the acc playing an acc schedule plus usc stanford and navy and um, and then maybe playing in the ACC title game, would they would they benefit from that at all? Nathan, you're shaking your head. No. Tell me why. They play a national brand, man. I, I think that's what makes Notre Dame awesome, and I think that's what makes Notre, people hate Notre Dame. I, I love the fact that they play whoever they want, whenever they want, um, and you know they sort of even fucked that up when they started playing the ACC to begin with, but I kind of like it just because they play some good schools every year and they get that, you know, that – East coast, um, you know, they, 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 they're kind of diving into Virginia and even down South a little bit more because of it. Um, but no, I don't want to, I don't want to screw with the fact that they, you know, they want to play big 10 schools. They want to play SEC schools. They want to play, like I said, whoever they want, whenever they want. And I don't really care if people disagree with that when it comes to, you know, some, a lot of people seem to think that Notre Dame has a, a shit schedule sometimes, but I think those people don't know what the hell they're talking about. I have to put the explicit tag on this now. You got oh, fired man. up. Hey, man. This I've never, had scheduling to... fires me up, man. That was awesome. I've never had to put the explicit tag on, on a I podcast. How many, I can't tell you how many uh, scheduling arguments I've been in with friends and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mason, I, I know that's probably hard to follow up, um, but do you have any <laughs> – no, if you've got anything. No, that's just the theme of today. Nathan's hard to follow up, but uh, yeah, um, no, I don't think they they benefit. Notre Dame's been independent for so long, and to change that would just be would just I don't know. It's like changing the way that the lines are in the in the end zone. That just you just don't do it. And um, yeah, it's just how Notre Dame is, and that's how you keep the the brand the way it is. Um, you Notre Dame wants to be the best and to be the best, you have to play the best. We'll play the best from the big 10. We'll play the best from the ACC, the best from the SEC. 
Uh, you see that in future scheduling too. I think we play Bama in like, was it 2024 or something, but it's still something. And uh, we, if you want to be the best, you have to play the best and staying in one conference doesn't really mean that to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm on you guys' side, to be honest, but I just kind of – that's why I did the big-time disclaimer that I did beforehand that I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory. But I guess I do hear an argument that you could make that, you know, Notre Dame can go and they can play. And I don't have the ACC, you know, schedule right in front of me, but play the other half ACC, play, you know, their general uh, – I don't know, just like regular type of games that they normally play. Uh, because they're playing five games in the ACC already, I guess is kind of the argument that – uh, you know that, that it can be made there, and then if you still play, you know, there your Stanford, your USC, and then you schedule Navy wherever the heck you want, and you can still play in different places throughout the country. And I know you disagree, Nathan, uh, but just imagine, go imagine, ahead. imagine if we if you don't throw Notre Dame on Notre Dame, like in terms of like their brand, and put it on any other school, and imagine them having playing Stanford, USC and Navy non-conference and then playing their conference schedule and have them complain about how hard that schedule is. I mean, that's insane. Imagine like playing Clemson and Florida state in the same year in the ACC and then playing and then playing Stanford and USC. That's that's Notre Dame already does that to be completely honest with you, but it's just crazy. Like people right. would people all of a sudden that would, people would think Notre Dame has a good schedule, even though they already do, but it's just weird. To, I don't know. That's like half your games that are difficult, very difficult. Well, I mean, that's kind of what, I mean, Nathan just said it, kind of what I was going for is that like Notre Dame kind of does it anyway. And that's kind of where, I mean, my argument comes from. And it's not really, like I say, I'm really, really playing devil's advocate pretty hard here, but uh, I don't know. Like to me, it's, it's almost sort of seems like, and the argument is that Notre Dame plays a pretty hard schedule already. Why not go into the, and I'm pulling up the ACC football because it's divided. Uh, Why not go into the ACC coastal play teams like, Miami, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Duke, North Carolina every year. And then you get, I think, like one crossover game. And then those, you know, USC, Stanford, and Navy or whatever to keep the, the, the tradition alive. I mean, I, I, I get I – mean, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I get what you guys are saying for sure. Um, I just – I don't know. Uh, it was something, I guess, that was kind of posed to me uh, that I was thinking out loud about. And I was like, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world, uh, especially with the fact that, you know, as – because people point to the TV deal all the time as a reason why Notre Dame shouldn't, uh, shouldn't join a conference because all their games are nationally televised. Well, we live in 2019 now, and pretty much every game you can stream in some way, shape, or form, especially with, you know, like the ACC network that's coming and that type of thing. So I don't know. Uh, like I say, I don't – have um, a strong opinion that Notre Dame should join a conference. I, I actually really am more on your side, but you know, the teacher in me likes to play devil's advocate from time to time and get people riled up. And like I said, I have to put the explicit tag on here and just, uh, or, or do some editing or whatever because of what Nathan said. And I'm kind of excited about that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ragging on you, Nathan. I think it's funny, but um, I just, I just love the idea that they can play, you know, their their traditional rivals that they don't play every year now like i mean purdue michigan michigan state um you know F- florida state miami i mean they play them because they're with the acc now but like boston college like same thing with the acc but i like the fact that they can even and this was prior i'm kind of talking a little bit prior to when they were with the acc uh, i just yeah. like the idea that they can play all those teams not have to worry about you know the ncaa like limiting them to playing one of them a year or something like that. And, and that, right. that kind of stuff bothers me. 
yeah, it's true. If you if you did that, then there's no room for like Michigan on that schedule. There's no room for. I mean, you can only play so many teams. Um, but uh, I don't know. Real quick, secondary question: Does Notre Dame add a thirteenth game at some point? Maybe against Hawaii. Like against like that, Hawaii or BYU. That, that's a good idea. With how we recruit in Hawaii, that'd be a really good idea just to get down there. Also, to add to just a small comment of what we were saying earlier about joining a conference, the last thing you need is, since we're explicit, is Michigan fans or Michigan State fans just bitching about, oh, you guys join the ACC because yes. you're, you're scared to yes. play us. That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, you're scared to play us. That's why you're, that's why you're backing out. No, we're not. Oh. The only reason I said Hawaii was because there was a big thing the other – I think it was after last year where Brian Kelly said something like, well, the only team we could play if we wanted out a 13th game to the end of our schedule would be Hawaii because they – I forgot the exact reasoning behind it, but it was something about how they don't have a game that week or whatever. From a recruiting yeah. standpoint, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get Napoleon out there one more, one or two times more a year. Absolutely. Yeah, you just – Make a two-week trip out of it and go to either Stanford or USC the last week of the season, and then finish in Hawaii. Like, yeah, don't even come back year. to Notre Dame; just stay there and chill. Right, right. win or lose, you're chilling. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, you know, Jack Swarbrick, if you're listening, just schedule an away game at Hawaii every year. They don't even have to come to South. Out. Yeah, <laughs> and then fly us out because it was our idea. Slap the um, sun, pay for this. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, anything that uh, I missed that you know you wanted to talk about for the good of the order? We've gone for a pretty long time now, but Nathan, you I got mean, anything? No, I think we covered the basis without getting into too much detail about like name recruiting wise. I think that's a a plus for me because I always name names, and it's Ben's like, who the fuck's that? Big name <laughs> drop guy. <laughs> Nathan said one cuss word and it just opened the floodgates. Um, <laughs> no, I don't got anything. Gosh, okay. But, um, Jay Burnell's a baller. Okay. It. All right. More catches than AJ Henning in his career. Mark it down right now. <laughs> and you were saying that they're going to okay. be compared because they committed on the same day, and that's totally true. All right. Well, listeners, hopefully you had as much fun listening to this as I had recording it. Um, make sure that you are checking us out all over the web. You know, it's I, I could give you all the things, but it really just search under the dome somewhere and you'll find it. Um, if you find us on, especially on like social media, there's links to all of our iTunes and YouTubes and all of that. So find the social media stuff and you'll be directed everywhere else. If you stuck with us the whole, this whole time, we thank you. Keep coming back. If you're new here, spread the word. Tell your mother, your brother, your uncle, your sister, anybody who's a Notre Dame fan, or even if they're not a Notre Dame fan, uh, unless they're under the age of 15. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say to that. Um, (laughs) there was one more thing I wanted to say. You just, you just got me off off topic. Um, you're like one of you guys are really like my students in high school. You, you, I mean, anyway, um, I just lost my my train of thought. So anyway, that's it. Um, make sure you're subscribing, (laughs) writing a review, doing all that stuff. Um, I still can't think of what I, I'm trying to talk my way into figuring out what I wanted to say, but I, I can't figure it out. So until next time, thanks for listening and go Irish.
here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.